going to say it's not too bad wearing a suit all day. I thought it would be worse, but it's okay. <laughs> okay, if you could turn your Bibles, please, to John 3, please. And only when you go to John 3, there's one verse you think about. And yes, that is the verse we're going to tonight. So it is. It's John 3 and 16. And it's probably the most quoted verse in the Bible. It's the one that probably most people, whether Christian or non-Christian, would probably know. But Sometimes when we know something well, we tend to take it for granted. We tend to take it as, well, I know what that says. And we tend to get familiar with it. And sometimes the message doesn't come, become as strong as it should be. You know what? We say, I know what it means. And it becomes a quote, even for the Christian, especially for the Christian, it becomes just a quote for God so loved the world. And so, you know, it becomes our mantra. It becomes something that we just run off, off our lips. It's a feel-good verse. We think, well, well, I know what that means. I know the gospel. It's... And we don't want to get familiar with the word of God. And this is one of the most important things. Yes, there is verses that we're very, very familiar with. But these, this is the word of God. And it carries with it the power of God. It carries with it the, 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 the spirit of God. It, rolls, it can roll off our tongue with little or no meaning. But this verse is packed with power. Packed to the rafters with power, whatever way you want to put it. When you think of the, the atomic bomb splitting an atom, and it can cause such devastation. But this verse taking it from a spiritual sense, when its meaning comes true to the heart and to the mind, it is powerful. And it can, it can cause such great, I'm trying not to use the word devastation in the negative sense, but it can cause such a, such a reaction that it will change our lives forever. And maybe if you're a Christian tonight, this is the verse that changed your life forever. When you've seen the meaning of this verse, this is a message that hasn't changed and it won't change because this is the message of the gospel. <clears throat> for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Sorry, I'm reading the wrong verse. Sorry, I'm reading Romans 1 and 6. Sorry. <laughs> We'll come to that verse in a moment. So we will. <laughs> That's the thing about two messages. You have everything in your head. <laughs> Excuse me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. This is a verse that is filled with real power. 
I'll read Romans 1, 16 to you now. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel is powerful. It is a powerful message. And it is the message that this world needs to know. And it is the message that the church is called to preach. You know, I was reading recently in a book, and, I, and it, it's by an old preacher, Martin Lloyd-Jones. And some of the things he was saying just really struck me afresh. The church's main calling is to preach the gospel to those that are lost. Period. That is our highest calling. Jesus' last words were to go and preach the gospel. Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the world. This is the calling of the church. And that is why this message is so powerful. And we're not going with words. We're going with the power of God onto salvation. This is man's greatest need, but it is man's greatest hope. This verse tells us it all. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is the power of the gospel. And I just want to, again, make us familiar, but not to the point where we we switch you off, but we realize what the gospel is. The first thing we see in it is the condition of man. Should not perish. Man is perishing. It's very simple. Man is perishing. And this verse speaks it plainly and clearly. Man's condition without Christ is he is perishing. Jesus was very direct to the point when he spoke this because if we, we just look at the, the, the rest of the chapter when he's speaking to Nicodemus. You know, Nicodemus came and says, there was a man of the Pharisees um, named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And listen to what Jesus says to him. Cuts through all of the, the compliments. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus was right in there. And this verse is right in there, speaking about the condition of man. Man is perishing. You know, the word perishing in, in, in the Greek, it talks about a man is, is, is headed for destruction. He is destroyed. He is lost. Powerful words, strong words. And if Jesus hadn't have spoken them, we sometimes would have said, well, that, that's okay. But Jesus spoke these words. This was his message. Man is lost in his sin. That is why man is perishing, because of his sin. Adam's sin was disobedience. When he took that apple from Eve, he disobeyed the commands of God. And sin entered into all mankind. Man is perishing because of sin. 
And second, let me just read Second Thessalonians to you. This is again, this shows you how strong the gospel has spoken of of man's condition. And it says, To you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Strong, but truth. Man is perishing. And man sometimes doesn't want to hear that message. Doesn't like to hear that message. Because man in himself thinks that he is something. He thinks that there's something within him that God will just let him into heaven. But it's not true. Because Jesus has spoken these words. Man is perishing. He is dead in his sins. Ephesians goes on to talk about that. It says, while we were dead in sins, perishing, destroyed, dead in sins. That is the message of man to man. You, that's his condition. He is perishing. Turn with me to Romans 5. And I just want to just, again, just highlight this, what it says about man and why he's perishing in his sin. Sorry, I'm on the wrong chapter. This is what it says. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. Speaking of what Adam had done. And this is why we're dead in our sins, because we're born of Adam, born of man. And then verse 15, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead. I'm going to read this later again. And we're going to look at the positive side of it. But this is showing us where we stand because of, this, because of Adam's sin. In verse 16, and not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. For if by one man's offense, death reigned by one. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment, verse 18, came upon all men to condemnation. Verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Moreover, the law entered in that the offense might abound. That is, sin hath reigned unto death, verse 21. Very bleak picture of man's condition. And he doesn't like to hear it. When we first heard the gospel, maybe we fought against it. We thought, no, that's not me. Our pride rose up within us. I'm not as bad as them down the street or them in next door. You know, we've done, done some door-to-door work in the past. And it's a very common thing that you hear. I'm not as bad as... I'm not as bad as them. But God says we are dead in our sins, perishing in our sins. 
And it doesn't matter whether next door is worse than you. You're in sin. We are perishing. Romans 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. For us, it's not a level of sin. It's not how bad we sin. It's our nature. We have a sinful nature. Look at Ephesians 2 and 3. says, let me just read it to you. Among whom also we had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. James 2 verse 10 says, For whoever shall keep the whole law, and yet if end in one point, he is guilty of all. I think we're all here tonight, and we have broken the laws of God. And we were in that condition where we were perishing before man, or before God. But that's the condition of man. But thank God this verse goes on to say that God loved. For God so loved. And I thank God that he says this. Man is perishing, but he is also loved. But God so loved. But God who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. For God so loved, and his great love. This is not an ordinary love. Not an ordinary love. This is so loved. Great love. This is the love that can only come from the heart of God. Again, like we said this morning, it's not the love of a man who loves if, who loves when, who loves if you do this for me. God loved with his great love. And this speaks of the depth of that love that he has towards man. You know, this is a question we may ask ourselves. Why does God love us? Why does God love mankind? Why does God love you and I? Well, I can only give you one answer. Because he does. Because he does. Period. God loves you and I. Even in our sins, he loves us. Because there's nothing in us that is desirable. There's nothing in us that would commend ourselves to God. He loves us. 1 John 4, verse 10 says, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. We didn't love God, but he loved us. And we have to accept that. And it is the greatest thing when we can accept that. Some struggle with that love, that God loves them. Maybe because their background is with an earthly father, or they haven't been loved and they've been treated badly. But we're not dealing with a man here, as we said this morning. We're dealing with God. God is not a man that he should lie. God loves you. 
he loves you. First John 4, verse 8, God is love. And I can't give you a big theological answer, but I can just say that God loves you because his word tells us he does love us. It's not a surface love. God's not given to moods. He doesn't get up one morning and say, I don't know why I like them this morning. I don't know whether I care about them this morning. I've had enough of them this morning. It's not like that. When God loves, he loves to the full. It's not a, a limited love. It's not an uncertain love. It's not a conditional love. It's an unlimited love. It's a certain love. And it's an unconditional love. When God loves us, he doesn't give a piece of himself. He gives us all. Man is perishing, but he is loved. And because he loved, he gave his all. For God so loved the world that he gave, that he gave his only begotten son. Do you know the love that God has caused him to be moved? Just thinking about the, the word love, and the word love is a verb, which is a doing word, it's an active word. It's not just, I love you, airy furry. It is a word and a love that is moved to do something. And God was moved to do something on our behalf because we couldn't do it. His love is active. You know, God didn't want man to perish in his sins. It's Peter that says, that it's not God's will that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. That's the love of God. He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. God has made a way for you and I because he loved us. What's the measure of God's love if we try to explain it? Well, it is that he gave his son, Jesus to die on the cross for us. God the Father sent God the Son to die on our behalf. Now that's an expression of love. What an expression of love. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. What a powerful verse. What a powerful reality for us that know Jesus tonight. Jesus gave his life a ransom for us. Why? Because he loved us and he didn't want us to perish. Again, we're just maybe back at Romans there. Romans 5. Reading verse from verse five, sorry, verse six. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. 
For when we were yet without strength, we couldn't do this for ourselves. This was an impossibility for man to pull himself out of the condition he was in. But we were without that strength. But in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet maybe for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Some would even die for a good man. But in the eyes of God, there is none good. But that didn't stop Christ coming. God commended his love towards us. There's that act of love again in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Here's man's condition after. Saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. A total turnaround here from perishing to having life and eternal life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. I'm going to read these verses again. For, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For unto the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Listen to these. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in the life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered in that the offense might abound but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin, sin hath reigned unto death, oh, even so my grace reigned through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. What a turnaround for man. What a turnaround. He has gone from perishing to life eternal. From death to life. From, 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 you know, God has just given him great joy and peace and righteousness and holiness and not a bit of it from himself. 
But because he loved us, he sent his son to die for us. What a contrast. What a contrast for us tonight. So a simple message tonight. Simple message. You don't want to be overly long tonight. But this is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God onto salvation. And it is a simple message. Man is perishing. But God loves us. And he is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. That's why he sent his son, Jesus. I don't know everybody in here tonight. I don't know where you stand, even if I do know you. Ask yourself that question tonight. Where am I? with God am I perishing in my sins because make no mistake Jesus was very plain with Nicodemus and in these verses that man is perishing but he loves you and he loves me and that's why he sent his son Jesus but there's salvation in no other name but Jesus Christ. All the religions will tell you there's many ways to God. But Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That is it. And I believe as we preach the word tonight, that the Spirit takes it and he ministers and he speaks to your heart. And if you don't know him tonight, you know it's true. You know that the words of this book are true because your spirit witnesses to you through the power of the Spirit of God. Where are you tonight with God? Are you still in your sins? Well, there's hope for you. But we've got to come to Christ. And we've got to bow the knee. And we've got to say, Lord, I am going to live for you. We've got to recognize what he has done for, his, for us. And his Spirit will come and he will make us alive in Christ. It is only through Christ. Let's pray. The message speaks for itself tonight. It doesn't need me to explain anymore. It speaks for itself. If you don't know Christ tonight, you are perishing in your sins. But God loves you. And he doesn't want you to perish in your sins. He wants you to come to repentance. And he has made a way for you. He has made a way for you. I want to ask you tonight, do you want to come before Christ? You answer this question, not because I'm asking. 
Do you want to continue to perish in your sins and go to a lost eternity? Or do you want to be with Christ? It's a straight question. But it is the gospel. But Jesus wants to transform your life. He wants to transform your life and he will transform it in the biggest sense of the word. He will transform it. I just want to ask you tonight, if that's you and you want to come to Christ, if you know that you're in sin and you need Christ, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. Maybe that all know Christ in here. Well, then we're challenged again for a real mission. What our mission is, is to preach the gospel. But if you want Christ tonight, you indicate to him by putting your hand up. You indicate to him, not to me. Listen, we want to help but we can't do it for you. Okay, thank you. I'm not going to keep going. If you want Christ, you indicate to him by raising your hand. Nearly 23 years ago, I put my hand up and my life was transformed. If you want Christ, raise your hand. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We're just going to pray for this person that's put their hand up. But I say to you that the Lord has asked you to repent. We can pray and lead you in prayer. But it has to come from your heart. I'm going to pray and you can pray with me. Or you can pray in your own way. But as you give your life to Christ, he will come and fill you with his spirit and you will have eternal life because that is his word. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have life eternal. Father, we just thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for the challenge of your word, Lord. Lord, there's not a one of us in this room not at one time that we had to be challenged by your word and have come to this place of repentance. Father, tonight we just pray with this brother. We just, we just ask you, Lord, for your forgiveness. Lord, please forgive us our sins. Lord, your word says that we repent that you are faithful to forgive us.
that you will come to us by your Holy Spirit and you will make us the sons of God. Lord, we will go from death to life. Lord, from destruction to a life of purpose and plan. Lord, we thank you tonight. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you for your love towards us. We thank you, Lord, that you love us. Lord, I don't believe we'll ever understand that, the depths of your love, but you love us. You love us. Lord, we worship you tonight. We magnify you and we glorify you for who you are. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the power of salvation. We thank you, Lord, that you made a way where there was no way. And that door is open to all who will come and bend the knee to you. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. We bless you. We magnify you in the mighty name of Jesus. And we give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.